Brilliant, church. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for coming out. And as Pastor Matt has already said, tradition is to get the bride and groom after. So if after church everyone wants to head and go straight home, that would be amazing. And I might just prolong the sermon, okay? I might just go really, really long, but only joke. And I will admit from the front, I deserve it, okay? <laughs> I've said it. <laughs> um, so we're going to continue on with our sermon series, The Power of Don't. And you may have heard it if you haven't been in church for this new sermon series that the Bible is just this rule book. It's a list of do's and don'ts that we must keep. But actually, we wanted to show you over summer that these things that God tells us to do and not to do, there's actually a reason behind them. So God would tell us to do some things and not to do others and the reason behind them. And tonight, I'm going to be looking at the theme of do not be anxious, okay, which is very relevant five days before your wedding. But if you remember back to July, I spoke on the thing of do not fear. And as I started studying for this, I kind of thought like, do not fear and don't be anxious. They're actually quite similar. But as we begin to look at it and as we begin to unpack it, you'll notice there's actually quite a few differences with fear and anxiety. But first things first though, I want to make this really clear as we start. Anxiety is a real thing and few of us are strangers to it, okay? Anxiety has a great impact on people and in everything that I say tonight, I'm never ever ever going to discourage professional help, okay? I want you to get that from the very very start because anxiety is a real thing that people in here are dealing with. So fear and anxiety have a bit of a difference, okay? Someone once ex explained fear like a downpour. I don't know if you've ever been in a downpour. The weather this week has been few, few of a few downpours. Let's hope it's not like that on Friday. But fear is like this downpour that comes upon us. It's like a sudden thing. It takes over us. For example, this is quite small, but recently I've developed this really common fear, one that we probably all can relate to, but it's this fear of wasps, okay? I used to be the person that when people started acting stupid around wasps, I used to be like, why's up, stay still, I will not touch you, they're just gonna be your friend if you don't move around. But now I'm the person that when a bee comes and a wasp comes near me, this sudden fear, this downpour comes upon me, I'll be the one that freaks, I'll be the one that screams, I'll happily drop everything around me, including the glass plates, including anything I have, because this sudden fear comes upon me when I see a bee. But here's the thing with anxiety though, okay? So fear is like this downpour, but anxiety can be explained a wee bit more like a drizzle. And there's this quote by a guy called Arthur Rhodes, and he explained it this way. He said, anxiety is a thin, thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained and I know the bee thing is quite small and I have a fear of being stung but hear the difference I'm not constantly thinking to myself every day what if I get stung today what if a wasp comes into my room what if I'm in work and a wasp comes in what am I going to do these thoughts aren't constantly going through my head these thoughts aren't going in my head what will I do in that moment because that's what anxiety would do anxiety is a constant what if 
it's a constant voice in your head and a banging annoyance that Arthur tells us it can cut through. And for some people in here, you will agree with that. It cuts through a channel into which all other thoughts are drained, that you actually can't think straight because your anxiety has caused all other thoughts to go that way. So fear is more like a downpour. Anxiety is a bit more like a drizzle. And for some people in here, it might even be a huge drizzle. And let's face it, I know the bee thing might seem really small, and it is small in my life, but I want to make this really clear that there's people in here who have really faced storms in life, and it, things like being stung by a bee don't seem like much. And the same is for me too, because you see, anxiety has followed me in my life for things way bigger than being stung by a bee, and probably like you too. You see, our anxious thoughts follow us about our finances, our future, decisions ahead of us like are we doing the right thing are we doing the wrong thing our health like what if this happens to me what if I end up with cancer what am I going to do if they're not around what about our kids will they love and serve God what about what what, what are they going to do in school what about their friends will they end up with the right person and then we begin to think we begin to think what if this happens to them what if this happens to me what about the phone call that I'm waiting on and our thoughts it's like a constant drizzle. We may, may think of our kids, well, where will they end up? Will they love and serve God? And to be honest, some people like me, even me reading that list out loud fills you with anxiety. It's not even that you have to think about those things. Me even reading that list begins, your mind begins to go, doesn't it? Like a drizzle. And Charles Spurgeon says this, Courtney says this, he says, anxiety doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but it only empties today of its strength. But here's the thing though, in the midst of anxiety, I want you to know tonight that you do not need to stay anxious, okay? Let's just put that out from the very start. You do not need to stay anxious, and neither do I. The passage that we're going to look at tonight is a really common passage. You'll probably have heard it if you've been about church before, and it's from Philippians chapter 4, verse 60, and it talks directly about it. Let's read it. It's going to come up on the screen behind you. It says, it says, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus and then firstly whatever finally brothers whatever's true whatever's honorable whatever's just whatever's pure whatever's lovely whatever's commendable if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think of those things. Church, let me pray before we get into God's word. Lord God, I just thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that it is so relevant to us today. God, like 2,000 years ago, as we sit and live in hope tonight, God, may there be such a passage, God, that would speak to our hearts tonight, God, in our world where our minds are constantly full of these drizzling thoughts, God, and for some people tonight, God, anxiety has a real hold on them, so I just pray tonight from the very outset that the Spirit of God would set people free tonight, God, I pray that the Spirit of God, that this fear and this anxiety, God, would just be gone in, in people's lives, Lord, and your peace, which surpasses all understanding, God, thank you that we have access to tonight and I pray that we would just sense that in this room so Lord take over may it not be anything that I have to say but may it be your word that challenges people and encourages people tonight
Amen, church. Um, so the verses that we've just read in Philippians 4 for a wee bit of context and a bit of story. So it's a guy called Paul. He writes these um, verses to the church in Philippi. And knowing a bit about Paul's story, Paul hasn't had it easy by any stretch. And he's actually writing these words that we see on the screen during a time when he could have been very anxious about a lot of things. The words that we've just read that are behind you were written from prison. Paul was under arrest for spreading the gospel. There was a church that supported Paul and they probably would have been really concerned for his well-being. He was in prison and they supported him. Is he gonna be okay? And in that church itself, there was talk of people acting selfishly. These people, there was facing false teachers who were attempting to teach other people about wrong beliefs about Jesus. And talk about the potential to be anxious. This church, their, their friend Paul that they were supporting was in prison. In the church itself, there was people acting selfishly. And then false teachers had came to try and teach the wrong gospel. You see, Paul in this church had a lot going on. And in his past, Paul also definitely wasn't a stranger to troubles either. Paul had experienced hardships, poverty, the threat of death and beatings. Paul was not a stranger to life and his problems, yet, church, he's still able to leave us with these words, don't be anxious. And you know what? I want to challenge you that if Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, can say those words in the midst of beatings, imprisonment, and everything that life throws at him, I want to challenge you tonight that you can too. I want to challenge you tonight that if these words that Paul has said underneath the power of the Holy Spirit, as he faces everything that he's faced in his past and currently can say, don't be anxious, you can too. Here's how though. We're going to look at four things tonight. Um, in our passage, we're going to look at the command, our part, God's part, and our mind. Okay, so the command, our part, God's part, and our mind. And let's begin with the command. So the command is really simple. Church in Philippi and church at Living Hope, do not be anxious about anything. Paul begins by saying, don't be anxious about anything okay and he says this as a command he doesn't say it as an option i want to put that out there at the very start and that's a challenge it's not an encouragement it's a challenge that this is a command not an option that we need to take heed to that these words are important to our life so he tells them do not be anxious about anything now church when you look at that word anxious it has a few implications that are important as we look at what it means in our life so the first one is this it's mentioned in the bible in matthew chapter 6 verse 25 when jesus talks to this crowd now this crowd were with jesus and jesus tells them do not worry about your life so that word worry and anxiety are the same word in those two verses jesus tells them why should we worry when god cares for even the little birds in the sky the birds never want nor need because God provides for them. So I want to begin by saying, when we hear that phrase, don't be anxious, when we look at Matthew chapter 6, 25, there's a reason for us not to be anxious because God who cares for the small things, the big things and everything in between, the birds in the sky who don't want nor need will look after you and I, okay? So that's the first reason not to be anxious because we're cared for by God okay so the first reason to not be anxious the first thing when it comes to anxiety despite how overwhelmed we feel 
or what our feelings may say, which is a big, big thing in the face of anxiety, I want you to note tonight that you can learn from Scripture that you're cared for by God. If God can care for the little birds in the sky, how much more can he care for you? Okay, so that's the first thing about that word anxiety. The second thing is this word, okay? So this is the original Greek of the word anxious in our verse in Philippians, and it's pronounced Marrow now, okay, that's definitely right because I YouTubed it earlier. It doesn't look it, but that is right, okay. So it's called marrow now, and for context, this word marrow now is a little bit different in the Bible. Um, Luke uses this word, and it's used when Jesus speaks to his disciples as they think of facing persecution. So the disciples are with Jesus, and Jesus tells them, Boys, like, I'm gonna leave you, and you might face persecution, you're gonna face persecution. The disciples know that they're going to be persecuted for their faith at any point. And Jesus challenges them. He says, don't worry or meramayo, don't be anxious about what you'll say in that moment as you face persecution. Don't be anxious as you go to the authorities or court because I'll give you the very words to say. Now church, I want you to think about it. I want you to put yourself in the poor disciples' shoes for that moment. Think about it. Imagine you knew at some point, someone was going to come and take your life for following Jesus. You'd go to court beforehand to explain why. You'd probably be anxiously thinking, what will I say? What's going to happen to me? What about my kids? Are they going to be okay? What about my husband, wife? What about my car, my house, my career? What about my money? What if I die here? What, who's going to look after such and such? What about everything? We would be anxious, wouldn't we? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I mess up? What if I get tongue-tied? This word, marrow. Now Jesus turns to the disciples and says, don't be anxious, marrow my, about what you will say. You see, we would be like the disciples. We would be thinking every day, what will I say? What will happen to me? It would be like this constant drizzle in our head. It wouldn't be, you would probably need your head looked at if it was a, a downfor, downpour of fear that came once and left you. But actually it would be like a drizzle every day in your mind, like waking up. What if, what if it happens today? Like, what about my kids? Like, who's going to look after them? What if they take my wife too? What about my poor kids? Like, who's going to look after them? And we would be anxious. We would be marrow now, as Jesus said. You see, marrow now means to have an anxious concern. And if you're not proud tonight, which I hope you're not, you could admit whether it's telling others about Jesus, the thoughts of your future, the diagnosis that you've just received, what'll happen to your kids, what'll happen with your decision, and the list could go on and on. You've probably experienced this feeling marrow now. You've probably experienced this feeling of anxiety, this uneasiness or extreme uneasiness of the mind. Yet to start off with, Jesus tells us, Paul tells us in this verse, do not be marrow now about anything. Don't be anxious. And church, I want to um, challenge you with that tonight, that that's the command that we're left with. We're left with that command. Do not be anxious about anything. But I want to encourage you to tonight, because often when you're told don't be anxious about anything, as I said the last time, it's kind of like a bit of a slap in the face, like, 
oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Like, don't tell me. Just do not be anxious. Like, there's what's, what's the reason behind it? What are you giving me? But you see, Paul does give us things. It's not just this negative, don't be anxious, but he gives us positives attached to it too. Because you see, God and his compassion is using Paul to leave us with positives attached to it of what we should do. So I want to encourage you tonight, because I know anxiety is a real thing. I want to encourage you tonight that you do not have to feel hopeless in the midst of your anxiety because there's a reason why. You see, the command is don't be anxious, but here's how. Here is our part in the story. The story goes on and it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I know you've heard it before, but sometimes it's good to be reminded of simple things. But here is our part, that the reason not to be anxious is simply because we have access to God in prayer. And church, this is so true. Our help in the face of anxiety is God himself, who we get to talk to in prayer. Our help in the face of anxiety is God himself, who we get to talk to in prayer. And I know anxiety is a real thing, but I want to encourage you tonight that you and I can talk to Almighty God, the one who holds the stars, created the world, knows the end from the beginning. And if you remember back to July for Brownie Points, everything in between too. He knows the beginning and the end and everything in between too. He formed you and knows you. We get to talk to that God in prayer. In the face of anxiety, you and I can talk to God in prayer. But it's funny, isn't it? Because it's so not what we tend to do as human beings. You see, in the face of anxiety, we either tend to go into a ball and try and fight it ourselves, or we kind of blame God for it and distance ourselves. But actually, Paul encourages us and challenges us tonight to simply pray. You see, because prayer redirects us from anxiety to God himself. Either we can deal with the anxiety ourselves, or we can be redirected to God, and that's what prayer does, okay? So Paul encourages us in the midst of anxiety to pray, but then Paul uses this other word, which is supplication. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. But if you've been around church, prayer and supplication, surely it's the same thing. But actually, when we look into it, they're a bit different, okay? So prayer really simply is just speaking to God. It can include thanksgiving. We all pray, don't we? For many great of us, the only notion we have of prayer is, Lord, get me out of this situation. Lord, help me. But you see, supplication is different because it involves specific requests. Because it says in the first, let your requests be made known to God, okay? So that's what supplication is. Prayer is speaking to God. Supplication is specific requests. For example, let's break it down. So a person may pray and say, God, thank you for my kids. Thank you for the life that you've given me and for my kids. But a person who's bringing their supplication before God may say something like this. They may say, Lord, make a cure for my kid's illness. Lord, we need you to find a cure for this sickness they're facing. You see, it's a bit of a cry to God, isn't it? It's for something specific, which is the cure for the illness. And that is supplication. Prayer is simply speaking to God 
and supplication involves specific requests. And church, I want to encourage you tonight that in the face of anxiety, and even if you're not facing anxiety, we're encouraged to do both. We're encouraged to pray and bring our supplications before God. There's this verse in Psalm 116, 1-2 that says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. And then it says, because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. I love this verse as it reminds you and I that we have access to God in prayer. And prayer should be our resort in the presence of anxiety. David knew it. David had been through all these hardships in his life. And one of the reasons he loves the Lord as he writes in these verses is because God turned his ear to him. And as I was reading this today, I was like, how amazing is that? That God would actually turn his ear and listen to you and I, okay? People who do not deserve to be listened to, if we put it out there, God would turn his ear and listen to you and I. On nights when we can't sleep in our bedrooms, when thoughts are raging more in spaces, when we're on the floor in tears and no one sees only God. In times of needing him, he turns his ear to us. And so church tonight, here's your simple reminder on Sunday the 13th of August to pray in the midst of anxiety. But let's put this straight though and iron it out. We don't pray because God doesn't already know what we're going through, okay? We don't do it because we need to inform God of what's happening. It's actually not that way at all. You see, we pray because we recognize, God, I can't do this on my own. So I'm relying on you. It shows, God, I'm dependent on you that I can't do this on my own. So I'm going to depend on you for it. Church, Paul then uses the word thanksgiving in the verses that we were at tonight. And I don't know about you, but ask anyone who's close to me. My dad and Evan will probably very much agree. But when I'm anxious, I'm probably very snappy. They don't want to be around me. And ultimately, I'm not a very thankful person. I'm normally on edge. And being thankful wouldn't be the first thing on my lips. But I think God being all knowing knows how we as people need to be thankful. You see, God knew in the midst of anxiety that thankfulness will stop you and I from doing a lot of things. Thankfulness stops us from grumbling. It stops us from complaining. And ultimately it turns our attention away from us and on to God himself. It turns us our attention to someone who never changes, and that's God himself. For example, the, the reason I used a minute ago, the, the parent who's praying for their kids with the illness, the supplication that they bring before God, they might say, Lord, I need you to find a cure for their illness, but Lord, thank you that regardless, you're still God. You're good and you're in control. And church, even praying that, do you see what thankfulness does? It turns our attention away from us, on to God who never changes it, despite if you bring this cure or not, you are still God and you never change. His thankfulness puts us, pushes us in the direction of God, not my will, but yours be done, because I know you know what's best for me. Church, in the midst of anxiety, I want to remind you tonight to be thankful. Now, I'm not at all encouraging that you be thankful for your anxiety, okay? We don't need to go that far, but I want to remind you that you can be thankful for the character of God that never changes. I want to remind you that you can be thankful that God knows what's best for your life. I want to remind you that you can be thankful that God is in control no matter what happens. And if you know and love God truly, one day it will be all okay.
okay? If you know and love the Lord, one day it will truly be okay. Church, I want to remind you tonight, pray and be thankful. And finally, Paul says, let your request be made known to God. And this, this bit of the verse is so special to me, and I was thinking about it um, during worship. So that bit where it says, be made known to God. The Greek of that actually literally means to be face to face with God. When we look at that, the word be made known to God, it means to be face to face before God. And I want you to remember that when you wake up in the middle of the night or when your anxious thoughts are raging more, that when we come to God and lay our requests before him, we get to be face to face with God. God. And it's not that God is far off or he's distant, but actually when we read that verse, it means for us to be face to face before God. It means that we're coming face to face before a holy God, a perfect God, one that's so mighty yet cares for you and I. And so remember that as you come and leave everything before him, that when you come and leave the drizzle that comes into your mind, the anxiety, the wake up call in the middle of the night, that we come face to face with God himself. Not a God that's distant, but a God as you wake up at whatever time it may be, whatever thoughts are raging towards your mind, that you get the honor of being face to face before God. And if that doesn't help you in the face of anxiety, I hope it does, that you get to be face to face before a God that cares for you, a God that loves you, and a God that knows you. Church, we get to pray. And I want to, before we move on, I want to leave you with the greatest example of this. And it was one I was really um, encouraged by the other day when I was reading my Bible. And it's in Luke chapter 22. And it's before Jesus goes to the cross. And as Jesus is about to go to the cross and face everything that was about to come at him, the pain, the embarrassment, the hurt that people spitting on him, people mocking at him, he's fully aware of what's going to happen. And in verse 44 of Luke 22, he says this. He says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And church, that really encouraged me because it didn't say, and in being in agony, he gave up. It didn't say, and being in agony, he ran to his friend. It didn't say, and being in agony, he tried to work it out himself. It actually tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, in the agony that he was facing, prays more earnestly. And I don't know about you, but that's not normally our reaction in anxiety, sure. It's not normally the more anxious we get, it's not the more we pray. But actually, as we look at Jesus' example, how much more should we do that? That the more anxious we get, why don't we pray more? That the more, like, find ourselves getting stressed out and worked out, we can look at Jesus' example, who simply prays more earnestly. So church, really simply, our part in the face of anxiety is prayer. But here's the great part. What can God do then? This is God's part. It says, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, peace is this thing that's beyond what I could even explain to you tonight. But when we get saved, okay, we have this peace with God, okay? We're no longer his enemy, but we're friends with God. But the peace that Paul talks about in verse 7 is a little bit different. It's this sort of sense that God gives us when we're going through something, where God reminds us through his peace that he is God, that we don't need to work this out, 
and he's in control. And it's something that we can't explain because on human terms, we shouldn't be able to explain why God has reminded us that it's going to be okay in the end. But you see, when we come to God in prayer, when we come and lay our requests down, when we come and lay our supplications in our prayer, God can give us peace tonight. He can give you peace. You see, peace is ultimately the opposite of anxiety, isn't it? It's the opposite of a constant drizzle in your mind. I kind of picture instead of a drizzle, it's like just a calm. And God can give that to us tonight. He can give that to you. And I wonder tonight how less anxious would we feel if we spent our time in prayer? That might sound really, really simple, but how less anxious would we feel if we spent our time in prayer, truly acknowledging who God is, what he's doing, and laying everything at his feet. And I love this thought, Pastor Matt Stephanie um, shared it before, but it's sometimes God calms the storm, and sometimes he calms his child. You see, in laying our request before God, I want to put this out, that this verse doesn't say that God is going to make everything better. It doesn't say that if you ask for something, he's going to give you. It doesn't say that this is a formula to get all that we want and all that we need. But the verses that we've read tonight show us that when we pray about things, God might not change the situation, but he can change us. He can change us to be more like him and form us into what he wants us to be. You see, the peace of God that we talk about in that verse, it says it surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I want you to know tonight that this word guard is literally like a military term. It means to literally camp around, to guard your heart. And that's what the peace of God can do tonight for you. It can guard, it can protect your heart and mind and what you're facing when you lay that before God. And I hope tonight... And before I finish, I hope tonight that you know that the beginning of the reasons why you have reasons to be anxious or be afraid, that you know that in the midst of that, you can pray and you can know that God can give you his peace instead of worrying about it. I know it's so simple. Why don't we simply pray about it? And finally, really quickly, we've talked about our responsibility and God's. But finally, we want to talk really quickly about what the mind says in this verse. So our mind is really a battlefield. It's really inspiring and encouraging to see the young people in church. And I really think we need to get behind them because there's a generation right outside that door who are struggling so much with their mind. And if it's not that generation, it's my generation and your generation too. The mind is so prominent now. Our mind races daily and actually it's the home where anxiety will live our thoughts, the internal conversations that you and I have. And so Paul writes these verses to end with, and he says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Okay, so Paul finishes when he talks about this subject of anxiety by simply telling us to think about these things. And my question to you tonight is, what are you always thinking about? What takes up your mind? And let's be honest, let's be real about it. If there's a situation you're facing, it's likely going to be that. Like, what, what if the phone call comes? Like, 
how am I going to deal with this family member? What am I going to do in this situation? There are probably the thoughts that's taken up your mind. But I want to encourage you tonight that Paul leaves us this lovely challenge of thinking about these things. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, just pure, lovely, commendable, got excellence, worthy of praise. Think of those things. You see, when we look at like our mind alone, we could fill this room with anxiety. Our mind's like a factory. Thoughts about everything rage among it. And so Paul encourages us to think about these things instead mentioned. Whatever's true, whatever's lovely, think of those things. In the face of anxiety, do that. And even tonight, I want to encourage you, if you're not anxious, which praise God for, I want to encourage you to think about these th things too. And if you can't think of anything which is true, which is lovely, I want to give you some practical things. So let's go. So you know what's lovely? The thought that God is always with us. That's a lovely thought, that God is always with us. You know what's worthy of praise? The fact that God loves us. Okay, the fact that God even cares about me, never mind, loves me, that's worthy of the utmost praise, and that's me alone. So if we think about all of us in the room, what is worthy of praise is the fact that God loves us. You know what's true, and our minds would tell us it isn't. Our salvation is in him alone. And Pastor Matt, if you missed that this morning, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's settled. That's final. That is true, that our salvation is in him. And you know what's really commendable, I think, about God? The fact that God simply saving you and I would have been enough. Yet he's chosen to bless us with so many things that you and I don't deserve the roof over our head, the families that he's given us, the fact that we have food on our bellies and clothes on our back. Church, there's a couple of things, if you can't think of any, and if you need me to remind you then of the door, I can do that too. There's things that we can think about, the fact that God is always with you, the fact that he loves you, the fact that your salvation is in him and it's complete, the fact that God saving you would have been enough, yet he gave you so much more. Church tonight, I know this might have seemed really, really easy, but we're dealing with a really hard subject. But I want you to know tonight, you don't have to be anxious, okay? We'll put that out there. You don't have to be anxious. And if you are, I want you to know tonight that there's no judgment, okay? I want you to know tonight that you're seen by God, that you're loved by God, that God knows your very frame. He knows everything about you, the very number of hairs on your head and if he knows the little small details do you not think he knows how you're anxious too i want you to know that god sees you he knows every detail of your life but just because god sees you doesn't mean that you have to continue living in anxiety okay you don't have to do that and i want you to know tonight that what i've said is not a recipe to just try and get through it on yourself it's not a recipe of just think really great thoughts about yourself and you're going to get through it. It's actually a recipe of in the face of anxiety, you can pray. In the face of anxiety, why don't you try to talk to God about it? And then God does something amazing where he gives us his peace in what we're experiencing. You see, church, tonight our choice is simply to pray, to be thankful, to lay our requests our supplications, the specific things in our life and receive God's peace. And finally, to think about whatever's true, that God is always with you, that God loves you. Those thoughts, think about those things. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And as they come up, 
I'm just going to ask everyone to bow their head if that's okay as we come to respond to, to God's word tonight. And Lord, we just come and we just pray now, Lord, and we just pray that tonight, God, that your peace would reign in people's hearts, Lord. And God, whatever's going on in people's lives, thank you that you know everything about it already, Lord. And tonight, God, is our response to your word, God, we come and we lay everything down. God, help us to lay our requests before you, Lord. And church, maybe tonight you just want to do that. You don't have to say it out loud at all, but just in your mind before God, like come and lay all the things down that are causing you to be anxious. Maybe things that you're worried about, about the future. Why don't you come and as a response to God's word, actively come and lay those before God. And then I'll pray in a minute. So if you want to do that, church, do you want to just lay these things before God? Lord, I pray for every um, fallen away family member, God, who doesn't know you. Lord, I pray that you would just take away anxiety, God, from people in this place, God. And I just pray that you'll bring those back to you, people who have fallen away. Lord, bring those back to you, God, for people anxious about a phone call this week or um, a diagnosis or whatever they are going to receive. Lord, I pray your peace, God, on those. Thank you that peace isn't our duty but God it's your duty it's what you can give to us Lord and I can't manufacture that God we can't do that but you can so God may your peace fill this room God may it fill it in a way that we can't explain God as we walk into our Mondays and Tuesdays God and whatever this week may look like God may we be people who walk in peace may we be people who know the peace of God not because of anything that I said or anything that happened but God because you have given us your peace thank you for your peace God that we can experience that tonight Lord and for people with burdens Lord I just pray in faith God that you would just just bring comfort tonight to people who need it God you would bring healing tonight for people who need it that we would see a real breakthrough tonight in people's lives in here God thank you it's because of you because you're so capable, you're so able, Lord, you're so mighty, God. Thank you that we get to come face to face before a holy God, before a perfect God, Lord. Lord, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Tonight, church, why don't we say that tonight in the peace of God, let's say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for your peace. Thank you for what you're doing in here, Lord. And as we come to worship God, may you continue to meet with us.